Well, welcome once again, fans, to Bear Scat. This is the Holy Scat Edition. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Thomas. I'm Jim. And uh, we're here to talk about uh, a new light shining down. <laughs> but uh, hopefully, uh, we'll have lots, lots of news coming forward uh, after the exhaust. Exhaustive search. Oh God! Yeah, I mean, today is just one of those days where all that you can really say is that it, it's a good day for the Bears, it's right? A good day. I mean, everybody knew that Nagy was going to be gone. Uh, a lot of the news up until today was making it sound like Pace was going to stick around either as GM or in some other capacity, which it had, really was. Had, yeah, like, and I mean, all universally reported by people I trust right like yeah. Brad, Brad Biggs all the beat writers had all hinted that Pace was going to stick around which would have made absolutely no sense to me so I guess it's encouraging that somebody in the McCaskey family is watching the games and is looking at things with some sort of critical lens yeah um, because yeah I mean obviously I'm sure everybody listening has heard by now but Ryan Pace Matt Nagy both fired so and you know the um the interesting thing about that is I uh, did not have faith that that pace was going to be gone. I, I really didn't. Um, did you see? So uh, Bears fans, if you haven't seen this, you should definitely look it up. There's a photo of or a short video of Pace and Nagy walking out of the stadium <laughs> alone. Yeah. Did you see that? I did. And it was like it, now in retrospect, it w- I thought it was kind of odd when I first saw the photo because if. Nagy was going to be fired the next day. It just seemed odd that they were like buddy buddy walking out, and it's like we're buddy buddy, and I'm going to fire you tomorrow. <laughs> well, and that kind of shed some light on the reason why Matt Nagy was not fired during the season. I think. I mean, I know the whole thing with the McCaskies that they've never fired a coach in season, but. If they knew that they were going to get rid of Pace, too, it wouldn't have really made sense to fire Nagy during the year because right. who's going to be conducting the coaching interviews? Who's going to be speaking to the media about why Matt Nagy was fired, right? I mean, so it, it all makes a little bit of sense in hindsight. Like, our worst fears did not come true, which was that Ryan Pace could have been promoted to, like, president of football operations, which oh. would have been a disaster. I mean, yeah. If you think about going back to the end of last year, which is when I think both Pace and Nagy should have been fired, the reason that George and Ted gave for the two of them sticking around because of how well they worked together and how well they collaborated and blah, there you blah, go. blah, there blah, you blah. Go. So, Collaboration. Yeah, so like all, all that nonsense. I mean, once you kind of used that as your reason to justify keeping them, it wouldn't have really made a lot of sense to fire one but not the other. I don't know how you could have explained that in a way that would have made any sense, but we don't have to find out because they're right. both gone, and I think that's justified, right? I mean, we, we spent an entire episode making fun of Ryan Pace last week. The record <laughs> speaks for itself. He was the general manager here for seven years, zero playoff wins, one winning season, two coaches, at least one complete, completely failed uh, quarterback draft pick in the first round, so... It was enough. I, I'm glad that the Bears saw it the same way, and now here we are again, kind yeah. of looking into the abyss of are Ted and George going to find the best potential executive and coach to replace these two? And well, we'll and find you out. know, um, with uh, you know, with with Nagy uh, and uh, and Pace, they both got plenty of chance, yes, but plenty of opportunity to achieve the goals that they were given. And it would be one thing if they would maybe done, say, 60% of what they needed to do. I, 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 I don't know whether 60% is tolerable. 70%, I think, would have been, you know, okay, that's legit, right? We're, they're closer. But, I mean, it, it, you, the more you look at it, the more you realize it's an utter Failure. Yeah, it wasn't even close. I mean, yeah, it wasn't even close. And, you know, I definitely was, uh, you and I are both on the same page when it comes to Pace. His destiny should have been tied to Trubisky. Uh, I don't know how you, how you look at that situation and you don't arrive at that answer. Because the simple fact of the matter was is that he was in the best 
position of any Bears GM ever. Yeah. And the simple... Uh, he he had in front of him uh, quarterbacks that uh, were projected to go high, and he had the opportunity and the supposed know-how to go out and evaluate these people. And from all sides I've seen, he totally ignored uh, Deshaun Watson. And I just, mm-hmm. that part of it always stuck in my craw because it was like, Look at this guy's accolades. How do you not look at him? You know, so uh, it's not going down that path. I'm just saying he made his choice. I was actually happy that he made his choice. He made his choice, but as far as I was concerned, when he made that choice, he was stuck to it. Yeah, and with pace, right? I mean, when we say not even close, I mean... Zero playoff wins in seven years would not be allowed in any other organization in the NFL. Every other organization would have fired Ryan Pace before he got to his seventh year. And the the one time that they got to the playoffs and actually felt like they had a chance was 2018. As we kind of know in hindsight, a lot of that was driven by just a really, really lucky year from the defensive side of the ball. I mean, it was. Just a ton of turnovers, got a, some lucky breaks with the schedule. Not even saying that's bad. Uh, you, you have to be lucky to win a lot of times. Right. Especially when you don't have a great quarterback, which the Bears didn't. But that was really the one season that Ryan Pace can look at his resume and hang his hat on a little bit. And as we know now, that wasn't sustainable. And no. It got bad again pretty quickly and it's been bad so i think that he like you said got more than a fair shake at this job and right. wasn't close i mean so yeah. seems like a nice guy he'll get another job somewhere else i'm sure maybe not as a general manager at least not right away but you know it's it, it was just the move that had to be made and i, I don't know that anybody can disagree with that it was it was kind of a weird morning because for example like the vikings tweeted out or Schefter, i guess tweeted out the vikings have fired zimmer and spielman right mm-hmm. and so shortly after that they tweet out that the bears had fired matt Nagy. and so because of the way that the rumblings had been kind of you know going i'm like all right they fired Nagy. pace is gonna stay here we're gonna have to listen to this clumsy explanation and then we're gonna see but then half hour 60 minutes later they tweeted out that pace was gone too and i was like all right i mean that's what we all wanted and we're gonna get our wish we're gonna see you know what what happens next year and i'm sure that over the next week or so the bears will be conducting their interviews and they'll probably hire at least a gm sooner rather than later so exciting times scary times with the bears because we know that a lot of times these searches don't end up going the right way right um but i guess we're gonna get something new which i can't complain about after (laughs) making fun of ryan pace all season long on this podcast so you know um when when the team gets in these kind of situations even though i am angry tom even though i do point out the the faults I only do that because I see them, and I wonder why I see them and management doesn't. That's the only that's the that's always been the thing with me. But I actually was positive about Pace when he first came on. I I, I thought he was coming out of a good organization. He had worked with a good coach. Uh, they had developed some good players there. They had won a Super Bowl, right? So I mean I, I thought there were some good uh, you know some, some good things there. Also the guy had paid his dues. He didn't you know jump he didn't jump over another position to get to where he was, right? So going into this, I'm feeling that glow again, right? I'm feeling that hope. I'm feeling like there's something positive that could come out of this. Don't pee on it yet. <laughs> <laughs> and the thing is is that I, I do. I even though uh, uh, I, I even though we the group that we have looking for our next candidate might not be as choice as we want it to be. Um, Bill Polian is uh, is as respected uh, executive as they come, um, and he has he has done the work before, um, and uh, so having him along with uh, George. I think is a is certainly a step in the right direction. Yeah. Um and I do think that uh there's some really good candidates out there and I think that the Bears job is 
very appealing. Yes. Um, there has been already commentary from the outside that it's probably the most appealing job uh, job potential out there, uh, candidacy out there. And I, I, that, to me, um, it, it speaks good, uh, good volumes about what we can look forward to. I mean, it certainly should be the most appealing, I think. I mean, if you look at some of the other options, I mean, Jacksonville obviously has Trevor Lawrence, um, but... The general manager there is Trent Balky, who is not well-respected in the league, and they've already said that they're retaining him. So just for those of you that don't know, Trent Balky was the general manager in San Francisco uh, with Harbaugh, and go mm. back and look at how Harbaugh and Balky got along. They, yeah. they didn't, and uh, he's just not a well-respected executive. So I think That was that's... a storyline for at least a couple of years, oh, wasn't yeah. it? Yep, absolutely. I remember stories about Balky trying to go into team meetings and Harbaugh basically throwing him out. <laughs> like so, you know, that's not a well-respected guy. So I think that's gonna hurt them uh, when they're interviewing candidates. Denver, they've got a good roster. They don't have a quarterback, but people don't like working with John Elway. That's yeah. well documented. So that is well documented. I, I don't think that you know that's a that's not a better opening than the Bears and. You know, the Vikings, I mean, you got to deal with Kirk Cousins, and you're either going to trade him or extend him, basically, and they've got an old defense that's going to take some rebuilding, so that's another one that I think is probably less appealing than the Bears. I mean... Well, and all three of those places are all small market compared mm -hmm. to Chicago. Yeah. I mean, uh, the one uh, the one glowing spotlight is... is it's the biggest market without with only one team. And and you hope that you have the quarterback in place with Fields. We right? do. Like we hope so. I think that there's enough people around the league that have positive mm -hmm. opinions of him and you know, you can be the coach to take Justin Fields and basically start from square one and develop him, right? I mean, if a coach can do that and and make Justin Fields into a you know, perennial pro bowler and the guy that's the quarterback of the Bears for the next 10, 15 years or so. I mean, that coach has a job for life in the NFL if they can do that, right? Yeah. And if, if you can actually win a Super Bowl in Chicago, I mean, that's just, that that's legend status in the city of Chicago. You'll never have to pay for a meal again, right? right. Like people are still dressing up like Mike Ditka however many <laughs> years later. So... I think it is a. Oh, good... there was there was uh, at the uh, at the at the Bears Vikings game yesterday. There was more than a few Ditkas. Yeah, I mean every <laughs> Halloween, right? I mean, how many people dress up like Mike Ditka? I mean, so <laughs> that's legend status if you're able to achieve it in Chicago, and you hope the quarterback's there on a rookie deal. So that's good from a salary cap perspective. Yeah, uh, and you notice nobody ever d dresses up as Bill Parcells. <laughs> no, so. Well, because you'd have to wear the really, really short shorts, and that's, that's <laughs> and, not a good look for anybody. And, and the hoodie with the uh, with the sleeves torn off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, not as uh, prestigious of an outfit as you know, the sweater and the so cigar I was, and all that. I was looking at at, at Dicka, and um, you know, uh, he deserves that. His 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 accomplishments when he was in Chicago are pretty damn outstanding and while i'm just the same as every other bears fan uh in the fact that i believe that we should have won at least two super bowls with that team um and you know you know like you said luck just didn't happen to favor us you know we uh you know we lose our starting quarterback in the year and it becomes tough for uh uh the offense to generate uh, points um consistently and not to mention the fact that uh while uh while the punky qb was uh certainly um not the best quarterback he was a real leader for that team mm -hmm. so you can't you can't lose that but regardless i digress there I, I, all i'm saying is is that dick's numbers when you still look at them by today's standards are still pretty damn outstanding yeah and that is what can be achieved if you have sustained success with the Bears. We haven't seen it in the last 30 years since Ditka left. Right. But if a coach can come in here and be successful, you've got the city of Chicago at your disposal for the rest of your life. Right. right. So I do think it's a enticing job 
outside of even Justin Fields for that reason. I mean, guys want to coach in Chicago, even though the franchise hasn't been successful recently. It's still the Chicago Bears, and all you have to do is, you know, be the coach that gets it in the right <laughs> situation and is good at their job, and um, you, you have that kind of at your fingertips. So, um, without going into all the candidates, we'll... we're. Uh, We'll be going over that. Um, in fact, next week, we'll try and review some of our favorites. Yeah, I mean, the job might be filled by next week, honestly. we're gonna see Yeah, it. it could be. And actually, I would be a happy man about that. Um, I'm going to hate waiting <laughs> to see who they go get. I, I have a couple of thoughts on just <clears throat> some more high-level uh Observations later this search. Before we do that, I got to get to the McCaskey. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Press conference. So let's 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 uh, talk about the old man. So, like I said, right, the, the news breaks at whatever time this morning, and everybody's all excited, and they're like, "Oh my gosh, the Bears! They moved on from Nagy. They moved on from Pace." And then we get a notification that George McCaskey is going to be meeting the media at one p.m. And the reason that's significant is because it just said George McCaskey. It didn't mention Ted Phillips, right? Because that's the other shoe to drop here is Phillips. And everybody is hopeful that he's kind of getting reassigned, that he's no longer in the chain of command when it comes to football. Like if Ted Phillips wants to work all day and figure out the Arlington Heights deal, more power to him. I don't really care that much about that. Uh, I don't want him hiring the general manager. So when we see it's just George McCaskey, we're like, okay, maybe this is significant. And the thing gets off to a bad start anyway at this press conference because George gets out and he starts this opening statement and Phillips is on the call, even though <laughs> it wasn't announced. So George is basically like, I'm going to be answering your questions. However, we've got Ted Phillips here. It's like, oh, gosh, I just didn't want to ever have to hear anything from Ted Phillips again. And the press conference was mostly gobbledygook. It was about an hour and there were a lot of questions that George didn't really answer and he kind of sidestepped, but kind of wrote down some highlights here and some uh, specific cringeworthy moments from it because the Bears just suck at these things. They, they just have never been good at explaining their decisions in a understandable and logical way. Like, they're just bad at media, and George McCaskey's not good at talking to the media. But the whole thing got started out poorly <laughs> because uh, he's, George kind of had a prepared opening statement, and he let it off by acknowledging Jeff Dickerson, which was nice. That's but, nice. But he then started talking about, like, Dickerson's son, and he used it in kind of a clumsy, sloppy way to, like, segue into criticizing the Bears fans that had been chanting Fire Nagy at the high school game. Uh-huh. And it, it just felt really, really... Uh, distasteful and it was just it, it was well intentioned but it just didn't land and it was just a really bizarre way to start so that that kind of got the whole thing off oh on the quick wrong second foot. yeah um there was a really nice tribute uh at the um at u.s bank stadium uh for uh for jeff Dick- uh for jeff dickerson that was a uh, very respectful really nice i saw that and that was really classy of the vikings so i appreciate that but yeah george mccaskey not so uh tasteful with that kind of weird, clumsy start to his press conference. But then we kind of get into the actual news. So the the big change, and I'm using air quotes there, is that the new general manager is no longer going to be reporting to Ted Phillips. The general yes. manager will be reporting directly to George McCaskey. Now, the caveat to that is that apparently Phillips is still going to be involved in the hiring process. And McCaskey got a couple of questions as to why that would be and didn't really give any sort of satisfactory answer. So I think that took a bit of the wind out of the sails, too, because nobody's excited that Ted Phillips is still going to be around. (laughs) Um, Then you mentioned Bill Polian. So if you remember last time, the Bears hired a coach and a GM. They used an external consultant, Ernie Acorsi, uh, to kind of help assist in that process. So Ernie Acorsi is now Bill Polian this time around. We can get into that a little bit more if we want to later, but that was a, a noteworthy piece of news. And then it kind of got even weirder from there. So somebody asked George a question about something related to the football team. I can't remember what the question was exactly, but George responds, I'm just a Bears fan. I don't make those kind of decisions or something. So then that naturally led to some follow-ups of like, well, if you're just a fan, what qualifies you to find and evaluate the general manager? (laughs) And so the media did a good job and kind of trapped him in his own words there. And again, he couldn't really 
get himself out of that uh, hole that he dug himself in. So that was weird, and a lot of people have been making fun of him for that. And then he was asked why the organization doesn't work with any former Bears players. Like, why are you hiring Bill Polian as opposed to Thayer or Kruitz or any number of other Bears, you know, that could help in this process. And basically he just said, I I don't want to work with current or with Bears alumni that are in the media, which, which, which made no sense. Um, and then the last, the way I understand that is that was a poke at Kruitz. Yeah. Well, and then, uh, they started talking about Kruitz because Olin Kruitz last week uh, came out with a story that apparently a couple years ago the offensive line coach wanted to use Olin Kruitz as basically a consultant or an assistant coach, and the right. Bears offered him that job for $15 an hour, <laughs> and Olin Kruitz didn't want to work for minimum wage. So McCasker uh, was asked about that, and he, he basically just took a shot at Olin Kruitz's credibility and just said that Olin Kruitz uh, – you take what he has to say with a grain of salt, which is just a bizarre thing to yeah. do to kind of be publicly fighting with probably the most prominent bear alum of the last couple. Certainly decades. one of the most respected in, in at least the last uh, 25 years. And I've heard a couple other former players come out today and say that they were insulted by George McCaskey saying that about Olin. So that was kind of the highlights of the press conference I don't know how much there is to really take from it because I think the fact that they did fire both of the uh, both Nagy and Pace is a good step, and I, I don't think that what George McCaskey spews to the media is all that important. But I would recommend actually going and listening to the press conference, and you know, anytime George McCaskey talks, you, you get an idea for why he just isn't very well respected. It seems by current and former players, just because a lot of times he just sounded today like he had no idea what he was talking about. So that's the guy leading the Bears. It didn't really inspire confidence, but I, I hope that there's enough checks and balances built into this process that they get to the right answer this time. Well, I just uh, was just looking at some of the uh, transcript from the uh, from from that uh, conference, and he was reminiscing about 2018. And you know, I know I'm not the only person that thought I thought we would win that playoff game simply because we hadn't been to the playoffs for so long it was a home game and I just figured that the defense would come out and really overpower what didn't see at at the time uh, didn't seem to be a very good Philadelphia Eagles team certainly not a very good Philadelphia Eagles offense and uh you know the the fact that we couldn't generate any offense at all uh, was 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 pretty disappointing, but at the end of that game, after that game was done, um, he, he look at it now, and to me, it was shades of what was. It had a lot of foreshadowing as to what was going to happen over the next uh, over the next uh, three seasons, and I I I look at it and I wonder again to myself. Where, at what point do, does someone look at this stuff and not see what was, what was transpiring there, you know, because, um, it sure seems like there's key people in the media that happen to notice this stuff. Uh, you know, we both are fans of Biggs. Um, he does, he notices stuff and he points it out. Well, you know, it's it's still why is it that he can see it and the people that are in charge can't? That's the that's the part that I feel like whoever that they're going to bring in now, they have to have somebody that is going to come in with a vision. Now, um, there was uh, in the in the newest um, Ten Thoughts, uh, Biggs talked to uh, two guys about if they were coming to the Bears, right? He talked to a couple of coaches, and he talked to a couple of executives. And uh, it was really interesting to hear their takes on it because they, uh, they, the first thing they both separately talked about was the structure. Yep. That, they, that was the first thing both of them uh, went right to, right from the get-go, and said, you know, what is the structure here? Who is running the show? Who's the king, right? 
And if, you know, I need to know that. And then right after that, I need to know how much of, one of the guys said, I want to know if I'm running the stuff in this building. Yeah. Right. I thought that was a perfect way of putting it. Right. Yeah. Who, who's the king in this building? Because if I'm not the king, uh, I don't know how interested I am. Right. Well, well yeah. And Olin Krutz had a great comment on that couple weeks ago he said something to the effect of there's not one room you can walk into in Hallis Hall and get an answer on anything (laughs) and that just spoke to me because that just feels like the that that's the perception that you get as an outside observer right and if that's what the the players in the building think I mean that that that's a a huge indictment on your organization right and the the thing that I bothered me so much about pace you know on top not you know disregarding all the bad draft picks and all the bad signings and all the bad coaches and blah 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 like he just never felt like the guy that was actually in charge right like at what point in Pace's yes. tenure did he strike you as the guy that was running the football operation it, it never felt that way it was never always diffusion of responsibility or we have all this collaboration or you know, the, the, he he wouldn't talk to the media very often, which basically allowed him to dodge any question that he would get on his bad decisions, right? Because after the draft, he drafts Trubisky, right? And then he doesn't talk again for basically uh, the the entire season, and then he has another press conference in the off season, right? So you can ask him, Ryan, why didn't you have dinner with Deshaun Watson? Um, during the da- draft process, and he he's allowed to then say, "Oh well, we're not going to talk about the past," you know. We, right. We've, and it's like, well, this is your first availability since that story came out. Like, I don't care yeah. that the story came out four months ago. You haven't talked in four months. <laughs> like, Pace's philosophy as general manager was that once the season started, the only person that should be talking to the media is the coach. Yeah. And I agree to that to an extent when things are going well. But Ryan Pace presided over some terrible seasons, mm-hmm. and he made a lot of bad decisions that contributed to those bad seasons. And leaving the coach out there to talk and explain, for example, why you have to sign Jason Peters off the couch because you drafted Tevin Jenkins, who was injured and who was uh, right tackle in college. Why should Matt Nagy have to answer for that? That wasn't his decision. Yeah. You know, so that always frustrated me with Pace. Like, if if the guy is leading the football operation, he should be down there saying, this was my decision, here's why I didn't, it didn't work out, but here's what I was thinking at the time. And he just never did that. And, you know, maybe he was a, or is a really good leader inside of the building, but... He certainly never inspired any confidence with the fans because he didn't seem like he was ever in charge or interested in being in charge. So, uh, to stick in that, yes, to me, he always seemed like the face of Phillips and George. Mm -hmm. That's what he always seemed to me like. Like, he was the the square-jawed, buzz-cut, got-my-new-blazer-on... (laughs) <laughs> gonna come to the camera and make it an official statement for yeah. the for the group kind of guy, right? And Nagy was just uh, Nagy was left on his own to just say whatever he could about what was going on. Uh, and sometimes it's like you were saying it was kind of horseshit mm-hmm. because it was like, wait a second, he he shouldn't have to be sitting here trying to answer this question. Yeah, you know, uh, you you mentioned. Uh, uh, the the Jenkins uh, uh, debacle, right? Another one. Uh, why did we get rid of Charles Leno before we knew if the kid could play? Yeah. You know, I, I mean, it, it wasn't even uh, whether how good the kid played on the field. He wasn't even physically prepared to play. Yeah. You know, so while I was never a huge fan of Charles Leno, I certainly thought he was a decent player. Yeah. I was mostly disappointed when it came to the tackles with why didn't why aren't they getting anybody that's going to take a spot, right? But regardless, uh, um, the other one, the, the of course, the other main storyline from that off from the off season was why are we going and getting Dalton when we just signed Nick Foles? Oh. To a huge deal, right? I mean, no, no, go, without going into 
without going into the whole thing about Foles, right? All we have to do is say he committed a lot of resources to Foles the year before because Foles was going to be was going to compete with Trubisky for the starting job. That's the way they presented it, right? Mm-hmm. Well, at the end of the at the end of the season, that's obviously not the case because of basically Foles never comes back to play after he gets whole yeah. hurt, right? It, it was Trubisky the whole way, right? And then during the off season, they go and get another quarterback. That is, and then they put all of their, uh, they put all their energy into talking about how, uh, you know, it, 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 this guy's going to be the starter, right? Andy Dalton is so bad. Uh, he's I terrible. Mean, oh my gosh, that game. I, I don't. We don't. I don't have that much on the game yesterday, but oh my gosh, is he bad? I mean, terrible. Like what? At what point did anybody see anything with him that made them think this is our guy that should be starting all year? Well, and the thing was is that we could have had him the year before that. So, my you're you're embodying my point, and I know that Bears fans out there, I know that you guys uh, know this too, but it's just. When you break that down, when you look at it, you take a step back and look at it, it's like, what exactly was the thinking there? Mm-hmm. We have Trubisky, we, uh, we, we bring in another player to compete with them. Both of them don't really work out that well. Trubisky goes uh, on his merry way. We're in the offseason. They spend more resources to go get uh, Justin Fields. And then they spend more money to go get a guy who's probably worse than the guy he's taking the spot for? I mean, what was the whole point of having Foles and Dalton on the, on, on the roster? What was that? Well, I, I, you got to remember. Other right? than like, unexplainable. I mean, that, that was the plan. I mean, Justin Fields, they lucked into him falling. But the plan was Dalton, Foles, and then... Kellen Mond or some other, you know, mid-round draft pick, right? So the plan was bad, but that's the reason that you had two of those guys is because we know what the Bears quarterbacks don't make it through an entire season. And until the draft, there's no way that they could have projected that they would have had a first-round pick on the roster that people wanted to see play, right? So I, I think that they wanted to have the two of them there because... They just needed two options, and they were going to just use that as some sort of a quarterback competition, but terrible plan. I mean, that's among, you know, among everything else, that's one of the biggest reasons that Pay should have gotten fired, in my mind. This season was, it has to go down in the annals of Bears history as one of the worst. Yeah, I mean, it, it just feels like a whole waste of time, right? Like It was just a total shit show the team sucked the coaching was terrible and you didn't get any real clarity on justin fields or tevin jenkins for that matter oh and let's not forget of course that uh the salary cap was uh was a total pit it was a money pit right and we've both proclaimed we don't care how much money we spend of the mccaskies we're totally okay with that But at the same time, there is regulations that are above the McCaskies that are that are set out every single year by the NFL, and you have to adhere to those. Yeah, I mean, if 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 the, if the league didn't have a salary cap, go ahead and sign all the bad players you want. <laughs> right. I don't care. Like, I don't I don't care if the McCaskies make a billion dollars a year or nine hundred million dollars a year. <laughs> I'm not worried about them. I'm sure that they're very comfortable, right? Like, but when you have a finite number of dollars that you can spend it all comes down to how how are you allocating those resources and right we've gone through the bears roster numerous times and you, you there's just so many glaring mistakes on there and glaring you know, like that's the reason that you end the year what what did they end six and eleven or five and yeah, whatever whatever six, Terri- yeah i mean not good six and eleven uh so I, I guess like my hope for the next general manager is that they hire somebody that's going to disrupt the culture in that building a little bit. Yes. Pace, I mean, seems like a very... Shake things yeah, up. Like, seemed like a very nice guy. I, you know, we don't know what he's like uh, behind closed doors, but the vibe that he gives off is corporate yes man, right? Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Guy that is going to tell ownership what they want to hear and is going to 
always have some sort of plausible deniability ready to go for any time something doesn't go well. Like, that's just not the kind of guy that I want leading a football organization, right? Like, get a guy in here that's going to stand behind his his decisions, that's going to have, you know, a personality that just says, I'm leading this football organization, and if you don't like what I'm doing, then you can fire me, but while I have this job, this is what I'm going to do. And you don't get the sense that that's really the type of people that the McCaskies hire, like, Think about hiring Mark Trestman, right? Like, oh man, he, he, the Bears could have had Bruce Arians, <laughs> and Bruce Arians is a guy that's going to come in and is going to say, "I don't care what you think. I'm the head coach. This is what I'm doing." We just saw that a couple weeks ago with Antonio Brown, right? And that decision ended up backfiring on him. But he basically said, "I don't care what anybody thinks. Antonio Brown gives us the best chance to win, so we're keeping him, even though he's got well documented character issues." You can go back and forth on whether or not you agree with that from a moral perspective, but the fact is that's a guy that's in charge and is going to stand behind his decisions, right? right? I mean, when have we had that with the Bears? I mean, Lovey was a really good coach here, but, you know, kind of a soft-spoken player's coach. Mark Trestman was a disaster. I mean, John Fox was kind of built from that mold where he was gonna kind of do his thing but the bears never invested any money in his rosters and yeah and he was he was relegated to being another lovey as far as i'm concerned i don't know i wasn't a i i didn't want john fox to begin with he was and he was on his retirement tour right like i mean the of course of those the one that was just the total head scratcher was mark trussman i mean when the entire national media sports media comes out and they're like, what are you doing? And they have to fill in the narrative with this whole thing about how many quarterbacks he's worked with, but he's never been even a, a, he's never even been a coordinator or a head coach in the NFL. And suddenly he's only his primarily his career has been in Canada. (laughs) It's like, I mean, that's just not a good thing. No. I, he, he, a lot of times, the guy is kind of on the outside looking in for a reason, right? Right. Like, nobody else in the NFL would have hired Mark Tressman that year. The only person that would have done it is Phil Emery. And it's because they seemed pretty similar, right? Like, yeah. they were both kind of odd guys. And, yeah. You know, they obviously connected during the job interview process, and that's right. who got hired. You know, and it set the franchise back years because it was such a bad move. So the recent history with things like this doesn't inspire a lot of confidence that the Bears are going to get this right. But, I mean, you hope that with Bill Poley in here that he does a better job than uh, Ernie Acorsi did and that he at least knows what questions to ask and he can sit in an interview with a guy and spot BS where, you know, it, it, it comes up. And we'll see. I mean, Bill Polian is as well-respected as any executive in the NFL. I mean, yeah. I have concerns about him. I mean, he's 79 years old. He hasn't been in the league for a decade. Uh, he's had some pretty questionable player evaluations in his media role. Um, but, right. y- you know, it's at but least he does guy. have. He does have a lot of experience and connections, and um, and he was a GM that like he had his face out there. Yeah, I mean he was certainly a buck stops here guy. Yeah, I mean he's gonna. I think he's gonna know if a guy is actually qualified or if he's putting on a act. Right. I mean. I don't have faith in McCaskey or Phillips to no. be able to tell when a guy is full of it. But Bill Polian's been in enough interviews that you hope his presence is there. I, I, I've never been a big fan of this consulting role because the Bears are going to cut him a check to help them find a new general manager. And then he's going to go and do something else. It's not like he has any connection to the Bears or any right. vested interest in helping them hire the best person beyond just so there's his own no, reputation. So uh, there's but, no accountability there. Yeah, I mean, you, you hope that... I mean, the guy's 79, right? So the reason that he's doing it is because he he's wants 79. to. Yeah, so like, <laughs> you'd you, you think that he's going to try his best and he's got a ton of connections and he's going to be able to vet any candidates well, but 
the whole consultant arrangement I'm just not a fan of. I would prefer it if it was some former Bears that were assisting with this process, yes. but McCaskey isn't going to do that, it doesn't sound like, and he's so, arguing with former players in the media. So, Well, so um, one thing, though, uh, looking at putting the positive spin on it, uh, as we were already talking about, you know, Polian's general attitude is one that is a, a po- certainly a positive when it comes to this. Uh, but even though Ted Phillips is not going to receive any retribution uh, for what has happened in the past from the McCaskey family, as fans, we do know mm-hmm. he did have a heavy hand in hiring Jerry Angelo and Phil Emery and uh, and Ryan Pace. So he he might not have to he might not have to uh, stick his neck out there for those things. But we know that's that he did, and those three guys had a huge impact on the Bears, yeah. right? And the fact that now we're going to have somebody who is a hardliner um, that is having more influence than him, I, I, I see nothing but a positive aspect there. Yeah, I mean, and... A pot, and short of using somebody that's actually working in the NFL right now, I mean, Bill Polian's probably as good of an option as you can find. Right. Just because he's done it so many different places and his reputation speaks for itself, you know, there's no guarantee it's going to work. He could he could recommend the best possible GM, and it's possible that GM could just turn out to be an idiot. Like, right. Actually doing the job is, you know in any profession is different than interviewing for the job. Yeah, right? Pace was not a horrible pick by any means. No, I don't think so. I mean, Pace, you know, it's well documented. Yeah, I don't think he was particularly good, but we've seen far worse general manager tenure Absolutely. in this town. And, 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 you know, uh, we were, we were touching on this before. Pace, when he was selected, was one of the young guns. Yep. He, his name was at the talk, top of many lists to get a GM job. So it wasn't like they chose the guy. It wasn't like he was the, the GM version of Tressman. No. Right? Yeah, he wasn't Phil Emery. I mean, the thing with Pace, and I think that this is more of an organizational comment, is it never really seemed like... Even Emery was a little bit out, out of left field. Yeah, well, Phil Emery, there were some red flags there, because I remember when the Bears hired him, there were stories about Emery telling people, like at the combine or something, that the Bears hired him, and other executives didn't believe him. Right? People were like, "There's no way you got a GM job." I'm like, "Well, that's not necessarily a ringing endorsement." But, I do remember that. But yeah, but anyway, so like, um, with with Pace, part of what I think about and when I listen to other former executives talk is. You need to have like some checks and balances built in your organization, right? Yes. The Bears don't seem to have any of those. Like the perfect example is Trubisky. I remember on draft night or thereabout, the Bears tweeted out a video of the draft room, and Pace was basically going around to all his guys and all his scouts and saying, "You had Trubisky one, right? You had Trubisky one, right?" And every one of them said yes. Like, that's not the sign of a good organization <laughs> when everybody is aligned on a decision that's that important, like. I understand that, you know, maybe sometimes you reach a consensus, but th- there should be healthy debate on your staff. You should have guys that are saying, no, 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 I think Deshaun Watson's better. I think Mahomes is better. And when you have diversity of opinion, diversity of thought, the idea is that you, 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 you know, you, you argue your side and that process gets you to the best possible decision. Right. Like Pace, it always felt like, that's you the know, democratic process, yeah, actually. Like pace, like collaboration, and we're all, you know, blah, 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 blah. It didn't really seem like they were collaborating in the correct way. It's, it felt no. like a lot of guys that were like-minded, that were thinking the same things, and that were kind of, you know, patting each other on the back and saying, yep, we got to the right decision. Ask any successful organization in the world if that's the best way to conduct business, and they'll all say no. I mean, it's well established that... You should have people with different backgrounds and you should have people with different thought processes and people that view things differently so that you can get those ideas in the open and 
use that process to arrive at your decision. And and, and I, you I know, hope the next guy understands that. This um, it, it what it does is it puts uh, more focus uh, on the mini fiefdom that uh, that that pace was running. There's always been this thread of that pace is unapproachable, um, that he doesn't listen to other people's opinions, uh, that he was always the the final say, right? But really, it was more like people coming up to him and and you know making suggestions and him just shooting them down because his idea was always the best idea, right? And he certainly presents that way as well. Yeah. And smartest guy in the room. I mean. the sm- right. I'm more clever than everybody else. Look at me. I selected Adam Shaheen in the second round from a school that has 1,500 people at it. I'm, I'm smarter than everybody else. Everybody else thinks that's a crazy pick, but I know that it's not, right? Or I've curated my office and my staff in such a way that the people that I listen to are the ones that I know are going to agree with me. Right. Right. Like that's not a good system of checks and balances. Like you should have people on your staff that are comfortable going to you and saying, Hey, I know this is your, your evaluation. I disagree. Here's why. And then you work through it and you figure out, you know, what you want to do and you can have the final say, but you're supposed to have checks and balances in place so that somebody says, Hey, Deshaun Watson pretty darn successful college quarterback. Maybe you should take a night out of your busy schedule and have dinner with him like you're doing with Mitch Trubisky and Pat Mahomes. Yeah, and you know, know the um another place that's reflective uh in 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 the draft is uh is the trades, yeah. right? Because how many times as bear fans did did you as a bear fan did you find yourself sitting there and going, "Wait, he he traded what for what? Yeah. How, why? Who, who thought that was a good idea? I mean, I remember when we selected Trubisky, I I am op- I openly admit that I didn't think that that was a horrible pick. No. I did want somebody else, but I didn't think it was a horrible pick. But I still was like just I was just like every single other fan out there who was like why did we trade from three to two? Yeah. Or this year, trading like a sixth round pick for Jakeem Grant. <laughs> like, ja- right. Jakeem Grant made the Pro Bowl. That's great. But he was, this was, it was a one year contract. He's not even going to be here next year. It, it, I mean, you know, if the Pro Bowl, he, he made the Pro Bowl. Yeah. yeah. Like, so. <laughs> so, but it, that's regardless. But you traded a draft asset for, uh, return man slash gadget receiver in a year that you went five and 12, right? Yes. And, and, and and the thing is, is that the, the, there's so few draft picks. Yeah. Well, Pace just clearly never valued draft picks. I mean, I I think that when you talk about those trades, I mean, it's also, it, it comes into, it, it, it's obvious in his free agent signings too, right? I mean, was anybody else in the league going to give Jimmy Graham that contract? Was anybody no. else in the league going to give Andy Dalton $10 million? No. Was anybody else going to... The trade? year before, he yeah. only got $3 million. Yeah, like... <laughs> I mean, what is that? Like, that's been a theme with Pace, is like, how is he reading the market? Like, why is he seemingly negotiating against himself for some of these deals? Yes. Uh, and, and that's... That you know that of course became a running joke, mm-hmm. especially after the Trubisky uh, the Trubisky trade, because uh, we just watched it happen over and over and over again, and it, it was like, is is Pace really this gullible? Yeah, it, yeah, I guess he must be right. I mean, it 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 was a pervasive problem during his time here. No one will ever convince me that. We had other people bidding for Nick Foles' services and that ready to eat that contract. No one will ever convince me of that. The fact that we gave up a fourth round to eat the worst deal in the NFL is it makes zero sense. No. It makes zero sense. And people said it at the time. Yeah, like sometimes when you judge these moves, like I, I don't 
for example, the Khalil Mack trade. In in hindsight, that one I don't think is going to end up being worth it. But everybody was on board with that move when it happened, right? So it didn't work out. It's tough sometimes to look ahead and project the future, right? So there's some moves where you get a pass. But with Pace, there were so many examples of him making a move, and immediately people were like, what in the heck are you thinking there? Right. And... You can have one or two of those, but with him, I can probably come up with ten off the top of my head, right? Where he makes a move and people are all looking at each other, trying to understand how exactly he arrived at that valuation of a player, whether the valuation took the form of money or picks or both. Um, but with Pace, I mean, that that was a theme of his. I mean, when we say smartest guy in the room, it manifested itself in multiple different ways. But yeah, that was he obviously thought that about himself. Frequently, yeah. Well, or he's just like, "Hey, this is my guy. If it turns, if it works out, nobody's going to care what I gave up for him," which is true to some extent. But so many of them didn't work out, right? Mm-hmm. Then you're left with nothing to do but just criticize. Well, and, and you know, uh, uh, the biggest one of the biggest parts of the Mac trade was simply the fact that he was betting on uh, uh, betting on himself again. Well, I made the very best pick when it came to the quarterbacks of last year's draft, and I traded up to make sure I got my guy, and I got my guy, and he's going to be an all-star. There's no there's no, no doubt in my mind. He's only played one year, and he played very mediocre in the year that he did play, but I'm going to bet all, all my marbles on that, and I'm going to go trade all of my stuff for this, for this other defensive player because I don't have to worry about having to pay my quarterback or go get another one because the one I've got is an all-pro. Yeah, I mean, there's a reason that people say missing on a quarterback in the first round sets you back five, ten years. Right? It was crushing. It's, it's because of stuff like that. It's because you then make other roster decisions with that in mind, and if the quarterback flops like Trubisky did, then you've invested money in other parts of your roster, and it's just... We saw it all play out, right? I mean, the defense was great for one year, and they've never been able to repeat it. Trubisky didn't obviously realize his potential. There's, you know, other poor investments on the offense, and basically that's the story of the last three years, right? And and uh, it's it's kind of mirrored um, in, what, in the game yesterday, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, because cause the Vikings aren't in any better shape than we are. No. I mean, uh, you know, they they've got – the way I read it is that – Kirk Cousins is due forty-five million next year, and that's the last year of his deal. Yeah, forty-five million. So that's right? a, that's a, gosh. The, the end of this tenure in Minnesota reminds me so much of the end of Lovey, because Zimmer, like like Lovey, seems like a good coach. Seems like a guy that you know is respected around the league, but the team's not going anywhere with him, right? Right. So, that's why Lovey got fired. Lovey didn't get fired for being a bad coach. Lovey got fired because the window had closed. Right. And because, you know, he made terrible hires as offensive coordinator. And, you know, we, we know the story there, Yes. Right? But also part of that was Cutler. And I remember hearing that, you know, there's there were coaches and GMs around the league that didn't want the Bears job because it had Cutler attached to it. I think Cousins is better than Cutler. At least he's a little bit more consistent. But... Kind of another guy that if he's your quarterback and you're paying him all that money, do you he's really? He's actually not dissimilar from Cutler. He's not. No, he, he, there's a lot of parallels. He, he's, he, he plays a safer game than he's, Cutler. He's not as big of a jerk as Cutler. <laughs> like, <laughs> like Cutler was just a, a difficult one to, to deal with at times. But with Cousins, right? Because going into next year is is the last year of that deal. And any executive that they hire is going to have to decide, do I want to extend Cousins or do I want to trade him and start a rebuild? And I think most would err on the side of I'm going to trade him because if you give him another contract extension, then you're kind of tying your reputation as a general manager to Kirk Cousins. And I I don't think that a lot of executives would want to do that because we know what Cousins is, right? I mean, he's a nice quarterback. He'll, He'll have some great games. He can win you a playoff game maybe, but... At no point with Kirk Cousins has any team ever felt like they're contending for a Super Bowl. No, and you know um, what's interesting about that, we're talking about similarity to Cutler, right, is that um, Cousins, uh, when you look at his numbers, they're they're pretty damn good, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, Cutler holds every single record for the Bears. Yeah. Um, 
Except interceptions, actually. Oh, wow. No, I, I would not have guessed that. Who, who, who? Sid Luckman still has that. They didn't even, like, throw the ball back then. He has more interceptions <laughs> than Jay Cutler. Yeah, he does, wow. believe it or not. Interesting. But, um, uh, he, he, but Luckman also threw for quite a few touchdowns, yeah. too. So, um, well, but but what, your point about having good numbers, right? Yeah. So like, the, the the point is the point is is that Cutler owns all the records for all all of the all of the Bears passing records, and whether you like Cutler or not, he he obviously excelled to some extent, right? Well, Cousins is the same way. He has excelled as far as his as far as his statistics go. But as far as winning, there's a you know there's a gap there. Well, like with Cutler, it was always like he he would get to those good numbers by being great half the time and then being terrible half the time. Ask any Vikings fan. Yeah, and in the end, that aggregates out to above average, right? Right. But there there were just games with Cutler where it's like, does this guy is he out there playing with a concussion? Like if you look at some of those offensive lines, he <laughs> might have been, but. Just some of the throws that he would make, it's just like, what are you looking at? I mean, and Cousins is like that, too. I mean, he made some horrible throws yesterday, too. Obviously, the Vikings ended up winning the game. but with, His first half was awful. Yeah, oh, my God. I, I mean, was, in, in, you know, it, it, the, the Vikings fans got very excited about the second half, right? Uh, after he threw that first, uh, after that first bomb. And it's like, I was just thinking to myself... He should be doing that. He's playing against a terrible team. Yeah, terrible secondary. He has one of the best receivers in the NFL. By, by the way, what the hell is with the defensive backs not touching a receiver <laughs> that goes to the ground? How, how did that happen twice in one year? Seriously. With, with, wow. With J- I, it was Jalen Johnson this time. I just don't know. Isn't that football 101? If a receiver goes to the ground and nobody's touched him, touch him. I mean, <laughs> how, how did like, the fact that that happened twice in one year is remarkable. Yeah. So, so um, well, you know, I, I think that's a good. I think that's a good transition to talk a little bit about coaching, right? Because, you know, one of the things is uh, with with Matt Nagy. Um, I, again, I had that ray of hope when he came. Um, I felt like we had a guy who's going to work with our quarterback. Um, he's a quarterback's guy and he's going to be able to develop that kid right now. At that time, we still had a lot of promise about Trubisky. Um, I never thought he was going to be your all pro guy, you know, uh, but I did think he could be a solid top 15 guy. Mm-hmm. And I certainly thought that if you paired him, uh, with a de- with decent pieces around him on the offense, um, a decent line and we kept going with the defense, we would have a solid team, right? A real playoff contender, perhaps even a Super Bowl contender. But of course we know how all that came out. That's when I was looking at uh, Nagy. That's who I thought we were getting. Is I thought we were getting an offensive guru. I thought we were getting a quarterbacks guy, and he was going to be the one to to build uh, Trubisky up and build the offense up around him. And it was an utter failure on every part of that. Well, and I think this is probably my biggest hope for this new coaching search. Right is. I hope that the Bears aren't going to use that as an excuse to overcorrect, right? Like, obviously Nagy yes. didn't work out, but I think the process that they used to find him and to hire him was most of the way there, if that makes sense. Like, yeah. obviously something broke down, right? But to your point, I mean, for that first year, 2018, we had a lot of hope for Matt Nagy, and... I think a lot of times, and the Bears have done this, when a coach doesn't work out, you tend to kind of go the opposite direction, right? Like, you had Mark Tressman, who was, like, this weird, like, wizard guy that <laughs> no, nobody could understand what the hell he was talking about. And then the next the next person that you hire... He was the weird wizard Yeah, guy. I mean, he kind of is like a wizard, isn't he? Like, <laughs> I suddenly am picturing one of those... Dunce, you know, yeah. those wizard hats that are the long... Like he's like Professor Flitwick long and, and Harry Potter, like this <laughs> this weird guy and nobody can figure out what he's talking about. But then 
the next person you hire is kind of this old school like chromogeny football guy and John Fox and that didn't work and then the next person is offensive young dynamic head coach Matt Nagy and you know that didn't work right so I I, I think though that I, I, I <laughs> the old curmudgeon yeah, guy I, I think that if if things go the way that I would hope that they end up with a guy that's similar to Matt Nagy right and I'll just throw a name out there, and I, I don't haven't you know done a big evaluation on this, but like if the Bears think, for example, that Eric Bieniemy, who's the current Chiefs offensive coordinator, is the yeah. bad coach, is the best coach available, they should hire him. They shouldn't use Matt Nagy as an excuse to say, "Well, we can't hire another Chiefs offensive coordinator." Right? Like if you think that they were flawed they in their two process diff- last, they time, are two different people. They have nothing. They are to do two with different each coaches. Other. They have nothing to do with each other, other than they happen to be on the same team at the same time. Yeah. And Matt Nagy's experience isn't necessarily Biennemi's experience. So I, I would hope that they don't take candidates off of the board because of what happened with Matt Nagy. If you think that there were things you could have done better in the process, then I hope you make those corrections. But Matt Nagy, in my opinion, really shouldn't be informing whoever the next coach of the Bears is. That's my hope, at least. We're going to yeah. see how it plays out. And, well, you know, uh, you, were, you were discussing the press conference and... Actually, uh, McCaskey had said that. Uh, I mean, he made a point to say that we're not going to limit our search for a coach based on any of those things. Now, you know, talk is cheap. Mm-hmm. But um, I do feel like Polian will certainly... I think that he is a pretty good evaluator, and I and I do believe that he will... He's one that can say to George McCaskey, this is my thoughts. I don't give a shit whether you don't like him or you do. Yeah. You asked me to do the job, I'm doing the job, and this is what I, this is what I see. Yeah, or here's why you're not thinking about this correctly, right? Like, that's the thing with the McCaskies is they don't know what they're doing, it seems like, and they don't, they're not aware enough to know that, right? Like... Maybe hiring Bill Polian is indicative of the fact that they finally realize that they don't know what they don't know, right? But, you know, we're going to see. I'm, I'm excited to watch it play out. I, I'd Actually, I would like to do a deep dive, so I hope they don't hire a coach too quickly because I'd like to kind of go through the list and come up with who I think they're going to hire. But sure. we're going to see. Sure. And, yeah, um, I think uh, next week, you know, we'll, uh, we'll go into that some. Um, I certainly am right with you uh, when I read that, both of them were gone. I mean, I the the Nagy thing. We all knew that he was gone, uh, but uh, really, it wasn't that much to have joy about because we knew that the guy that put him in his spot in the first place was still going to be there. Finding out Pace was gone was truly joyous. Uh, I'm not trying to to stomp on the guy. I'm just saying. That we needed a change in the worst way. Uh, you're, you're right. He's probably going to go get another job. He certainly looks like an executive. Somebody's going to go and say, I want that guy as my executive, right? But um, but we, as Bears fans, needed something to change. And we needed a hard, big change. And I think we've got that. I think so, too. I mean, it was the move that had to happen. Yeah. So I'm glad that they did. I, I was worried that they were going to do something completely irrational, and, it, and they didn't. So yeah. So far, so good on the moves themselves. The press conference today was terrible, but <laughs> hopefully that's just words, and we'll see what the Bears do with their I, did, I did see that um, it is going to be a, a group, though. Yes. Uh, a, a group decision. Um, so it's George's decision, he said, but there's going to be a group involved in the process. Yeah, he's ultimately the the final authority. Yeah. I mean, it, he, he he announces that. It's not like he needs to, though. I mean, he's chairman of the board, yeah, right? Yeah, Buck has to stop somewhere. Exactly. So oh, That was the other great thing about the press conference. Somebody asked him why he should continue to be chairman because his record is terrible. And he said, well, ownership uh, has asked me to stay involved. I'm like, ownership is your mom. <laughs> like, <laughs> your mom's not going to fire you. It's your mom. Yeah, like, it's your mom and your brother and like a couple other people that have gotten very, very rich over the last 10 years because of the Bears. Like, you're not necessarily dealing with a hostile audience, I don't think. 
Well, um, anyway, uh, it, it was... Um, uh, so we'll, uh, we are going to continue doing this uh, throughout the off-season. Uh, and we're going to try and incorporate some more things. We're going to try and have some more guests. We're still looking for your comments uh, yeah. on, on, on Twitter or on, uh, on the Facebook page, on the Allery's Bears Then Facebook page. Thanks for uh, Allery's again uh, for another year. Um, we'll, be, uh, we'll certainly be back. And, uh, yeah, um, until next week, uh, adios. Yeah, and, yeah, just real quick, just, yeah, thanks to everybody that listened all season. Um, the hope, obviously, going into next year is for better days on the field. Because I would love to be able to come in here every week and actually break down X's and O's of what's going on and looking ahead to new opponents and being able to actually talk about the game on the field. I mean, the last few weeks weren't so much fun just because all, oh, we, could talk about, all we could talk about was the broader organizational <laughs> things. And honestly, I'd much rather be talking about a good Bears team and breaking down that week's matchup. So that's the hope going into next year. Um, but like I said, thanks for listening. And yeah, we're going to keep doing hopefully weekly recordings during the off season. We'll see, you know, as news comes in, maybe they'll become more or less frequent, um, but we'll, we'll kind of play it as it comes. So thanks again to everybody. It means a lot to us that you listen. Yeah, it does. It really does. It means, it means a ton to us, but yeah, I I want some more comments so that we can answer your questions online uh, or on, on the air. I mean, and, uh, because uh, we want to know what you guys uh, what you guys think, and um, there's of course, at least for the next few weeks, there's going to be a lot to talk about. So, yeah. and if you're interested in coming on the podcast, yes, let us know. Let us know because <laughs> we we need guests because Tom and I are not that interesting. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right, thanks, uh, thanks everybody, thanks everyone.